the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, broadcasting from my law office in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. Um, I am going to be following my usual format today of uh, questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, I have decided that I'm not going to be doing an estate planning workshop here in October, but I may very well do one in November. You can always visit my website at lawbob.com and click on the link for uh, workshops that you'll find in the menu uh, to see if there's any upcoming workshops. And uh, once you're there, if you see that there's a one that's upcoming and you see a date that looks good to you, there's actually a link you can click on to go to Eventbrite and register for that workshop so you can be assured that you have a space. Um, right now, I am limiting uh, workshop spaces to about 20 people, even though the room I'm in can hold um, more than 40 people. And that's out of deference to COVID and social distancing and, and things like that. I don't require people to provide proof of vaccination, but at least for now, I do require people to wear a mask at my workshop. Um, I don't like doing that myself when I'm giving a workshop because I cannot really be uh, heard well through a mask, but um, we do the best we can. Uh, and until everything is completely open up again, that is what we operate under here. Uh, you can always schedule a consultation with me if you'd like by visiting lawbob.com and clicking on a link that says book a call. That will take you into my uh, booking calendar where you can find a date and time to book a call with me. It's going to be about a 15-minute call, which might extend to 30 minutes, depending on my available time and what we end up talking about. Um, and uh, you can schedule uh, consultations for estate planning, for trust or probate administration, or for court petitions involving uh, loose assets that need to be turned over to a trust or modifications of irrevocable trusts, both of which I do as a normal part of my practice. So, um, 
I will say that if you'd like to call in today with a question, I will take calls on the air. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. So let's get started. This one's out of Los Angeles, California. And uh, just this week, says, My boyfriend passed away and put me as a beneficiary on his house. The successor, and I'm assuming that means successor trustee, a member of his family is not fulfilling her duties and has not dispersed funds as of December of 2020. What can I do at this point to move forward? Well, if there's a trust involved and you're a beneficiary and it's been 10 months um, since any funds were dis- were dispersed and you're owing, uh, you're owed that house or something like that, you can, if necessary, go to court and demand uh, that the trustee carry out their responsibilities or maybe even remove the person as the trustee because they're not fulfilling their legal obligations in reference to the trust. Now, that's uh, a fairly extreme measure, but sometimes it's the only way to get somebody's attention, unfortunately. I don't do that kind of work myself. If there's a situation that's presented to my office that needs that kind of relief, I have uh, local attorneys that I refer people to that do nothing but go to court and do disputes involving estates and trusts. And that's how I would uh, get that person involved if someone needed assistance with that. Okay, out of Whittier, California. Who is entitled to money in a 401k account if no beneficiaries are named at the time the account owner dies? Excellent question. Person said, my mother passed away last year. She had a trust, no spouse, three adult children. She did not name any beneficiaries for her retirement account. Both HR, I guess at mom's company, and the investment company have been unhelpful. What happens to the money? There's two possible answers, both of which involve the probate court. In this case, since it's uh, Whittier, in uh, the probate court in the county where Whittier is located. And uh, one of them would be if the mother had a pour-over will and had something like a general assignment of assets that covered assets such as a retirement plan, then it may be possible to go to court with a Hegstat petition and uh, to have the proceeds of that account turned over to the mother's trust so it can be distributed to the beneficiaries of that trust. If there is nothing like that, then if the mother has a will, well, what we call a pour-over will that directs that property to be turned over to her trust, then whoever is named in that will could petition the court uh, and probate that asset to get it turned over to the mother's trust for ultimate distribution. If the mother had no will of any kind, then you're doing another probate, but it's an intestate probate. Intestate meaning no last will and testament. That's where we get intestate from. Testate means that you have a will. Intestate means you didn't have a will. 
And in a case like that, presumably that would mean that the three adult children would receive the proceeds uh, of that 401k plan, but would likely have to go through the whole probate process. Now, if the amount in the 401k account is less than $166,250, then it may be possible that whoever's named as the executor in the will that the mother had could fill out what's called an affidavit of small estate value. And the affidavit of small estate value would direct to the investment company that um, according to the will, everything is to be turned over to the trustee of the of mom's trust. And, um, and we have all signed it. And we have a death certificate attached showing that the value of the estate subject to probate is under that magic number of $166,250. And that would be another way to get it in. Now, if it's worth more than that, you have to go through the probate process or maybe file a Hegstat petition if that option is available. Okay. Um, let me see here. I think, uh, yeah, I think I have about a minute left. May have time for uh, one more. Uh, no, I'm I'm going to wait until we come back after the break. Uh, I want to urge you if if you have any questions for me, you can always call me 800-516-1220, and I'm willing to take and answer your question on the air, assuming it's something that I have expertise to answer. But when we come back after the break, I'll continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, your host, and I'll talk with you after this first break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue uh, with my questions and comments with a situation out of San Bernardino, California. And it's a little bit complicated, so just listen listen closely. Okay. Question. How does my common law partner transfer the home his mother left him in a living trust into his name and add mine? Okay. Well, first of all, when I see someone asking a question about common law partner, what they're probably referring to is common law marriage partner. But as I've talked about on the show in the past, there is no way to get married under common law in the state of California. We are not what's called a common law state. There are several states in the country that are common law states where you can actually become legally married by cohabitating together and letting everybody, telling everybody that you're married and then after usually a year of that, you're considered legally married under the common law of that state. California does not permit you to get married in that way. So my answer to this situation is with that in mind, that if the person is in fact in a what they think to be a common law marriage, but they really aren't, 
that changes things quite a bit. So going on, person says he has not transferred his name onto the deed. It's still in his mom's name. Now he wants to put his name on the title as the home is paid in full. We pay property taxes, homeowners insurance, maintain the property. We're getting older, and if something happens to one of us, uh, he needs to have his name on his home, but told me, but me, I would need to be on the title in some form so I could continue to stay here in the home. We need to know what to do to make that happen. Okay, step one. He needs to take the house out of his mother's trust, put it into his name. That's step number one. It can't stay in his mother's trust indefinitely if his mother is deceased. Um, so presumably he is the successor trustee of his mother's trust and he could transfer the property out to himself uh, depending on when his mother died. If his mother died before February 16th of this year, that transfer would qualify for an exclusion from reassessment of the property taxes under the previous Proposition 58, which was largely destroyed by Proposition 19 that was passed by the voters about a year, roughly a year ago and went into effect in the middle of February of this year. But here's the bigger issue. If, if, he, if the, quote, common law partner does that, then turns around and adds his common law partner to the title of the property, if they are not legally married, that will, as a general rule, trigger a reassessment of 50% of the property taxes on the property, which could be disastrous depending on where the property is located. It could mean that the property taxes go up by thousands of dollars a year. So for a couple like this, I would say, uh, what is your intent? Is your intent that if something happens to, to the partner that owns the house, that he wants to make sure that property goes to his, quote, common law partner, then my suggestion would be set up a trust of your own, put the house into the ownership of the trust, and get married. Get married so that your common law partner becomes your actual spouse and can inherit the property from you without a reassessment of the property taxes. Because right now, if you think you're married and you're not, then at the death of, if you add the person to the title, it's going to trigger reassessment. Or you die and pass the property on to your partner, it's going to be 100% reassessed at that time. So uh, either 50% reassessed now, the other half later, or 100% all at once later, unless there's a valid marriage. With a valid marriage, then those that uh, issue can be dealt with. But this is not something to try on your own at home, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a DIY project, do-it-yourself project. The, the way that it's handled will determine the legal, property tax, and even ultimate income tax consequences of transfers of the property. So you need to consult with competent legal counsel to determine just how to best to structure a transaction like this. Okay. Out of Escondido, California, 
Someone said, I got letters of administration, which means the person went to probate, uh, to probate either uh, letters of administration means that they went to court and the person died without a will, because otherwise it would be letters testamentary if there was a last will and testament. Said, did everything needed to be made administrator, but I cannot access a bank account that was in a trust name. Do I need to file a whole new petition, or can I amend my case and ask to have the judge sign my appointment as successor trustee? Okay, well, let's let's unwrap this. If there's a trust, my first question is, are you, in fact, the named successor trustee of this trust? Presumably, it's, uh, it's the trust of the person whose probate you're handling. Are you the named successor trustee? And if you are not the named successor trustee, is there a named successor trustee that can take over control of that account and then turn around and distribute it according to the terms of the trust? Uh, If there is no named successor trustee of the trust, then in order to take over that account, it may be necessary to petition the court to be appointed as the successor trustee of the trust, with all of the beneficiaries being involved in that process and consenting, or at least not objecting, to the appointment. Uh, You cannot do it in the probate case because the probate case is only dealing with probate assets, not assets owned by a trust. So it would be a whole new petition to be appointed as successor trustee If, in fact, you aren't already named, if you're named as a successor trustee, you don't need to go to court to establish that. Um, There's more direct processes that can be followed to do that. Okay, is the spouse of a trustee allowed to contact beneficiaries on behalf of the trustee? I'm currently demanding a proper accounting from the trustee. My lawyer has informed the trustee he may not contact me except through the lawyers. He ignored the demand for accounting and ignored the no contact order. Now he's having his spouse contact me. After ignoring the spouse, she proceeded to contact me on different Facebook accounts and through snail mail. Is this legal or proper answer? Absolutely not. The spouse is probably acting as the um, factual agent for the trustee. And and that is inappropriate and um, action maybe should be taken to stop that. We're coming up on the mid-show break, and when after the break, when we come back, I'll continue with more Plan Your State Radio. See you on the other side of the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. And let me jump here to one that is uh, from Los Angeles, California. It says, my husband's mom died a year ago. Now his stepdad is planning to remarry. There is a will that was in place from my husband's deceased mom and dad where my husband gets one of the properties, the home we actually live in. But now we're wondering if the second wife can contest that will in court if my husband's stepfather 
passes away before the second wife? Hmm. Interesting question. So it sounds like the stepdad does have a will that says uh, this house, okay, a will that says from my husband's deceased mom and dad, from my husband gets one of the properties, the home we live in. Well, it sounds like the dad already died and then the mom died, which means those wills are not really in effect anymore. Uh, the 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 mom's will would have already been handled, and it kind of depends on uh, did she own the property? Did she? What did she do with the property? Did she set up some way that her step, her her um, her new husband, the stepdad, ended up with the property? There's not enough information here. Um, first of all, there'd be nobody contesting mom or dad's will because they've already died and uh, and it says mom's died a year ago and and so they it really doesn't matter if the stepfather passes away before his new wife the question is what happened to the property when mom died um did it pass to the step parent if that's the case it doesn't matter anymore that it says the property goes to the children um, because uh, if it was going to go to the children, it should have gone when the mother or the father originally died. So it's kind of an interesting question, interesting situation. No real way to answer the question, though, because fundamentally it doesn't actually make any sense. Okay. If a person dies who has a living trust, what should we do? Okay, my mother had a revocable living trust. She died in August of 2008. Okay, let's run the numbers. That's uh, quite some time ago, isn't it? My older brother was supposed to be taking care of things, but it's now 2021. Yeah, that's been a little while. If my math is correct, that's 13 years. He's nowhere to be found. We can't get in contact with him. He's not divided property or any assets. Now, my younger sister is in the hospital and in need of help, so the only thing we can think of is legal help. He has not given anyone anything. We have no idea where he is, and we think we've given him ample time to do the right thing, but he has not. Thirteen years. Ample time? Yeah, think? Oh, my gosh. So you waited 13 years and you didn't take any action. For all anybody knows, the older brother sold everything 13 years ago, pocketed the money and went to Brazil. For all anybody knows. Um, this, is, this is a mess. I, I sometimes can't believe how people can let things go for so long sometimes. 13 years I would say the likelihood is that the brother already sold everything and took off. That's why he can't be found and you can't get in contact with him. It's because he embezzled the inheritance from the trust and walked off with it. Um, I would, the first thing I'd do is check and see uh, if there was real estate. What is the title to the real estate now? 
if the title to the real estate is no longer in mom's trust, then look and see when it was sold or transferred. Um, I can do a search like that, find out when the, the last transfer was. and But I hate to say it, these people are probably going to find out that the property was sold a long time ago and the proceeds pocketed and the brothers long gone. And uh, waiting 13 years, sitting on your hands for 13 years before raising the question, well, I think it's been ample time. You know what? Ample time would be typically more like six months to get things resolved. Maybe even if it's a simple state, even less time than that. But 13 years, that boggles the mind. I'm sorry, but that that's just, uh, I, I just, I'm just... I'm kind of almost speechless at, at the notion that 13 years would go by. Okay. Okay, my father passed away, and I lived in his home taking care of him. <coughs> my mother left him and lives... Okay. I'm sorry, this is so poorly worded, I can't even understand what the person's asking. Um, okay, here we go. My elderly mother, 90 years old, moved in with our family and is going to rent out her house. She wants me to handle everything. Whose name will be on the lease, mine or hers? If her name needs to be on the lease when she passes away, what happens when she passes away while the lease is in effect? What's the best way to handle this type of situation? Short answer, have mom put her house into a living trust with you as, and maybe you and your mother as the trustees so that you can rent the house out as trustee of the trust. That way mom passes away while the lease is in effect. It doesn't affect the lease because the house is owned by the trust. Um, a lot of issues like this can easily be resolved by putting property into a trust and putting people in charge of the property, then you have continuity. You have someone who can be remain in charge when the owner of the trust dies or becomes incapacitated, and you don't end up with a big mess down the line. And I see a fair number of big messes in my practice. And my practice is dedicated to having families avoid these kind of big mess problems going forward. Okay. I'm the executor of my mom's estate. I cleared and cleaned her apartment upon her death. Can I submit this work as an expense? Um, possibly so. Just be aware that if you put in a claim for... Um, now, you're, are you planning on charging for your time for clearing and cleaning the apartment? Um, or, you know, my suggestion would be don't do that. Instead, just go ahead and take your fees as executor um, and, and not get into trying to charge for cleaning and clearing uh, the apartment. Uh, clearly, if you hired somebody to do that and you paid for that, then you could submit it for reimbursement from the estate. But if you did it on your own, eh, it becomes a little more questionable whether or not you could charge the estate for that 
especially if you're not in the business of doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, nope, that's... No, let's skip over that one because that one doesn't make any sense. Uh, boy, the same question asked a whole bunch of times. Okay, my soon-to-be husband owns a house, uh, something he purchased before marriage. Clearly, because you're not married yet. He's concerned that if something happens to me, he would be responsible for me and could lose his house. We're California residents. Well, first of all, his house, if it stays his separate property, it is not responsible for... Um, it's responsible for community debts, debts owed by both of you. Um, it may be that, that, that because you're married... You're responsible for caring for your spouse who may uh, become chronically ill. Uh, it's not so much that you could lose the house, but you may have an obligation to pay for the care for a spouse. And that could have the ultimate effect of causing the house to be lost. So, so that's something to consider right there. Okay. Okay, I have a daughter with Down syndrome, uh, 40 years of age. I'm a widow, 71 years of age. When I die, I need a lawyer to protect her. I'm on Social Security with limited funds. I want to make sure my daughter's protected financially. She works at Walmart, has for 16 years, has a 401k plan. Her brothers are not capable of making sure her interests benefit her and not their own. Can a lawyer help me ease my mind? Um, well... There's not really something to, to do in reference to the daughter. If you have assets, you could make sure that anything you leave for your daughter is left in a trust for your daughter with somebody that you trust handling it other than your daughter's siblings, who it sounds like you do not have really any confidence in. But um, I would say that um, the main thing is making sure that your your daughter has friends around her that are going to care about her and look out for her uh, make sure that her brothers don't try to take advantage of her uh, beyond that i don't know what else might be able to be done okay we're coming up on the third break of our show today and uh, then we'll have our final segment which is the shortest segment um, if you want to give a call it's 800-516-1220 i think i could take a call after the break but barring that, I will close out the show today with more questions and comments. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, your host, and I'll see you and talk with you on the other side of the last break for the show. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Welcome back. So I'm going to jump in, no one having called in over the break, and finish out the show today with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Here's one out of Santa Barbara, California. And uh, this is to illustrate that sometimes it can be very difficult to deal with financial institutions. In this case, though, um, you'll find out that it's probably more just a matter of misunderstanding what was communicated. 
My recently deceased mom had an account at a brokerage firm in the name of her living trust. The living trust is short and sweet. I'm the successor trustee, and my sibling and I are the 50-50 beneficiaries. I want the investment manager to sell the assets in the brokerage account and distribute the cash to my sibling and me, but they're saying that first... I need to have a lawyer rewrite the trust in the form of a new irrevocable trust with me as the trustee. And second, the firm needs to open a new account in the name of the irrevocable trust, transfer assets to it, then sell them and distribute. I haven't found any information online or in self-help law books saying that either of these steps are necessary. Are they? Well, here we go. First of all, the first part is you don't have a lawyer rewrite the trust in the form of a new irrevocable trust. Instead, the mom's living trust became irrevocable as a matter of law when mom died. And what needs to be done is now you need to apply for a new tax identification number for mom's trust, which is now an irrevocable trust. Because mom's social security number can't be used anymore because mom is deceased. That number then is used to open a new account at the brokerage in under that number, that new tax ID number, so that the brokerage knows who to report to if there's any gains uh, or any Uh, interest or dividends accrued um, or any gains from the sale uh, of what's in the brokerage account uh, before it's turned to cash and and then distributed out to the beneficiaries. So that's why they cannot report anything on mom's Social Security number anymore because the moment she died, there was no longer any authority to report things under her Social Security number. So that's what they're asking for, and it's perfectly proper. The attorney just needs to, or an accountant, can get a tax ID number for you. Uh, You probably would need to provide uh, proof that you are, in fact, the successor trustee. That can be by a certification of trust, identifying that fact, providing the new tax ID number, and then have them open an account and then immediately give instructions to sell everything in the account, and then distribute out of the account. They may, if it could be turned into checks, that would be great, dispersed as checks, or with instructions to do uh, ACH, automated clearinghouse transfers, to the respective bank accounts of this person and their sibling. Um, It kind of depends on how the brokerage is set up and maybe they could wire the funds. There's a lot of different possibilities. But first, they have to get those assets into an account owned by the now irrevocable trust. So that's a perfectly proper thing to do. Okay, now here's a really interesting one. And and I think it, it illustrates a, a point very, very well. My father passed away February 1st, 2021. He lived in California his entire life. He created a living trust that was created and enforceable in California. To my knowledge, there are five specifically named beneficiaries, including myself, 
plus grandchildren and great-grandchildren who are designated beneficiaries from the funds cleared after the mortgage balance and other related debt is paid from the sale of his personal second house in Spring Valley, California. I was told by the trustee that the trust attorney said only his widow and herself are entitled to know the contents of the living trust. Okay, I thought there had to be a period of time when any beneficiaries could be allowed to contest the trust before funds are distributed. Now, here's the deal. If father's trust became irrevocable on his death, as opposed to having everything pass to his widow, then yes, there is a section of the probate code that requires that a copy of the terms of the trust be distributed to every single beneficiary named in the trust and also uh, likely. um, So, so yes, there's a requirement that that be done. And until that's done, (coughs) excuse me, and uh, at a statutory time period passes, uh, it may not be possible to make any distributions of any kind. So the person, the trustee, probably misunderstood the trust attorney and should go back and ask that question again. Uh, But it depends on whether the trust itself became irrevocable or some portion of it became irrevocable. I do that kind of thing as part of trust administration all the time. So that's it for the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned some things. And uh, please feel free to visit my website at lawbob.com for more information about what I do. Um, And looking forward to maybe meeting some of you in the future in a consultation. But until next show, this is Bob Bergman signing off. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.